0: You're listening to the fourth season of Enacting the Kingdom, a podcast about liturgical worship and how it can transform your everyday life. I'm Father Yuri Hladio, and I'm joined by my teacher and friend, Father Jeffrey Reddy. Father Jeffrey is the director of the Orthodox School of Theology at the University of Toronto and holds a doctorate in the field of liturgical worship. For our fourth season, Father Jeffrey and I decided to publicly publish a series of episodes which have hitherto been reserved exclusively for the patrons of this show. We'll be publishing them here exactly as they were heard by our patrons. Father Jeffrey and I release special private episodes for our patrons on a weekly basis, so if you like what you hear and you'd like access to much, much more, you can go to patreon.com slash enacting the kingdom to become a patron. But for now, we hope you enjoy the public release of this episode. Father Jeffrey, I have a little bit of beef with the Orthodox Church. Mm. In that Great Lent is such a beautiful time; it has such a such a structure to it. And you 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 come to Forgiveness Vespers, starts with the lights on, and you it's it's the the regular melodies. You're wearing gold, and then the Great Prokimenon, You know, turn not your face away from your child, for I am afflicted. It's this beautiful, and sometimes there's a special Ukrainian melody which we sing here at Saint Maria's, which is uh, it's a tearjerker, and and Nikayla uh, really um, Mama Nikayla is my wife, everybody, just so uh, the listeners know she she milks it right she she, <laughs> she can make you cry um, uh, she can make even the most the hardest of hearts uh, soften with that one, and and during when we sing that we turn off all the lights we light the candles the priest dons black um robes the the um the cloths that are on the icon stands are changed like if if you have the ability you would actually do that with a curtain too like you can really go all out mm-hmm. with doing this this liturgical transition into the fast and advent just has really nothing like you just sort of do a regular vespers and i know there are there's some traditions that you do a lenten vespers like the first night of Advent, but there really doesn't seem to be this nice clean transition um to Advent. Is is that right or or am I missing something about the Orthodox tradition here?
1: I think if we delve you know more closely into the whole period of the forty days of the fast, I think we'll find some interesting elements. But but you're absolutely right. I mean it doesn't have the layers of liturgical solemnity that that Great Lent does. Uh, it, and that's principally because it's a lot more recent. Uh, great Lent I- emerges at the same time as, you know, all of the great hymnography that we attribute to that first millennium. You know, the writing of the Lenten Triode and the writing of, of the Menaean and the and everything comes out of a, a real period of, of, uh, you know, flourishing in terms of liturgical development. But the Nativity Fast as something imposed on the entirety of of the Eastern Church comes much later. And so, there's no liturgical kind of correspondence with the actual 40 days of fasting. It's kind of uh, dissociated that way. So whereas in Lent, you get not only one layer, but multiple layers. Sometimes you just don't know where to look for all of the different things. It seems like the hymns are taking you in one direction, and the Gospels are taking you in another. And then the, the, the saints' lives being commemorated, commemorated on the Sundays in Lent are taking you in another direction. There's plenty of fodder for sermons you know, in many years to come. But but with Advent, mm-hmm. it, it's a little less obvious. But there are liturgical cues uh, and, and, and so forth that we can look for, and, and things to kind of bring to the fore uh, in parish life without having to go, I think, to the to the level you're you're know, referring to, where certain people have said, "Well." Goodness, we should be marking this in another way. And so can we not have Lenten type services or, or whatever? Yeah. I mean, it, it, it is pretty rare, but it is done that, you know, people would use the kind of Lenten format for services at any point during, during the, the Christmas fast or, or Advent period. But. I think it is out of that same sense that you're having that you know we're missing something. Let's do something different liturgically. But I don't think you need to. I think if you look more carefully, you can still look with some you know uh, amount of envy at the Western tradition, which has a, had a longer history of Advent celebration, not always uniform. But and we can maybe mention a little bit of that. But uh, and and some of it actually is more recent than than you think. You know, we kind of covet the Advent wreath, for example, uh, which is a big now a part. Part of the liturgical celebration in the west they have the the wreaths that are brought out with the f- f- five candles the three purple one pink and one white you know we sort of look at that with some envy and I know there's if you go on the internet and search for advent wreath orthodox you'll find versions of that but I mean not only uh, you know, emerged in the middle of the 1800s so not in you know, 150 years ago uh, as a tradition so you know sometimes we you know, have this no- nostalgic way of looking at things that make things seem a lot older than than they actually are. So uh, by all means, you know, you can invent and iterate new traditions as, as we go along, but already embedded in our liturgical tradition, as I hope we'll talk about in the next few minutes, are some things that we can grasp hold of here.
0: Yeah, w- one of the things that we've been grasping hold of here at St. Maria's is the feasts of the prophets. Mm. So, so in in Advent, uh, in in the it it's even it even feels weird to call it Advent in the Orthodox Church. Like it's it's not a word that it's called the Nativity Fast. But mm. I don't think the word Advent is really like it's a word that I've co opted from the Western lingo mm-hmm. to to and and I'm using it. I'm just throwing it in there and I'm trying to get us used to saying it because I think people sort of in in here in the Western world get. What you mean by Advent, even people who aren't churchgoers, because you have the Advent calendars, right, that lead up to Christmas. So mm-hmm. when you say Advent, I think people have this sense of, yeah, the time before Christmas.
1: Yeah, um, but now it's, it's a Latin word brought into English, right? It, it literally just means uh, coming, right? Yeah, so, yeah. Um, you know, th- there's nothing wrong with it as a word. I, I think one of the reasons there has been, in the last few years in, in particular, a, a desire of Orthodox to claim the word. And this is somewhat ironic, um, is that it's celebration or, you know, the, the participation in something that is genuinely an advent in the West has waned, right? From the moment that, uh, and this is particularly, you know, governed by celebrations in the United States. I mean, but once you get past Thanksgiving uh, in late November in the United States, it is already Christmas, right? The, the Christmas decorations are out in full swing. The Christmas music is playing. Uh, Christmas parties are happening, and so forth. There isn't an Advent anymore. Yes, okay. You go, you have Advent calendars being sold so that you consume chocolate on you know x number of days before before Christmas. But um, but as an actual expectation or period of waiting or of of postponing. You know, joy in in a kind of uh, fasting or ascetic sense—that's completely disappeared in Western consciousness, right? So, Chris, I mean, by the time Christmas Day rolls around in the West, people are sick of it. And you'll find—I mean, I, I look up and down my road uh, where I live—the uh, day after Christmas, all the Christmas trees are out you know yeah they've it's been very not, sad the decorations have been removed they're ready to, to, to move on yeah that's the beginning the christmas day is the beginning of the 12 days of christmas in traditional western yeah. reckoning mm-hmm. right you're supposed to decorate your tree on the eve um, and through that whole period it used to be a fasting period in the very earliest church it was called saint martin's fast in the west It began saint martin's day which is november 11th in, mm-hmm. in the West. So, it was in even more than the 40 days. We we call ours the St. Philip's fast because it starts the day after the Apostle Philip on November 14th. So, the 15th, we start our 40 days uh, of fasting. But in the West, it was even longer. And they were only told to fast on uh, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays in early tradition. And then there was one part of the church which decided they wanted to fast every day and everything. But all of that has completely evaporated. And so, as Advent kind of shrank from consciousness in the West, I think Orthodox have been all too, you know, happy to kind of say, we need to preserve something of this in our, you know, those of us who are in the Western culture, let's, let's maintain this, this practice of postponing our joy. You know, we, we, we fast hard in order to feast hard. How much more joyful is that Christmas feast with our families and loved ones and our church communities when we've labored together on this journey of expectation of, of looking for the coming one. Right. And, um, and so, yeah, by all means, let's grab that, that. That terminology advent, right, and 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 use it. You know, we have multiple words for it: Saint Philip's Fast, Nativity Fast, uh, the Christmas Lent. Sometimes, although that's a really weird one, you know, from an etymological point of view, yeah. Lent means spring. Lent means spring, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but you sometimes hear about you know, the kind of correspondences and, you know, we can talk about the Holy Week correspondences of the days before Christmas and everything, but it still doesn't make this a spring period, right? In fact, the whole point of this is it's the opposite. It's it's the days are getting shorter and shorter and shorter, not lengthening, which is where the Lent comes from, the lengthening yeah, of the yeah. days. Um, And so we're at an opposite time of the year, right? And so the whole thing is about going kind to of about the rebirth of light on Mm -hmm. at the time of the of the winter solstice Um, uh, but yeah so advent i I love the terminology and especially because nobody else is doing advent properly anymore so
0: yeah so when it comes to this idea of fasting until christmas and then feasting after that uh i would so i worked at starbucks for like seven years right in my emerging adulthood and my Christmas season, because I was still on the old calendar, so Christmas for me, December the twenty-fifth, on my church calendar, fell on the seventh of January. Mm. Right. So, uh, and then that last that feast lasts till the nineteenth of January. Nineteenth uh, of January. So, I worked at Starbucks the day after Halloween. Mm. Everything Christmas went up. Okay. Christmas <laughs> music. Well, Christmas music wasn't. They they would slowly roll it in through the yeah. month of November. But like we were like you just had you know, all of the Christmas stuff was up. So I would go to work every day and it would be Christmas, 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 Christmas. But I would, I would only respond Merry Christmas. If people said Merry Christmas to me mm. and I would hold off basically. And then the 25th would happen and I would work the 24th and the 25th because you're that was I didn't have, <laughs> I didn't have family around. I wasn't dating anybody that had Christmas family stuff. Like I I'm free and they paid double time and a half plus holiday pay. So, um, so I'm going to do that. So, uh, And then I would obviously wish people Merry Christmas on Christmas Day. And then Boxing Day would roll around. Everything is taken down. Hmm. All Christmas things are taken down. Hmm. All Christmas things are on sale. People would walk in. I'd say, like Merry Christmas. And they look at you like you're crazy. Hmm.
1: No, right? I know. Yeah. And,
0: and I would wish people Merry Christmas for the full 12 days. And like once you hit day two or day three, like they're you're, ready to lock you up. <laughs> They're ready to lock you up. And I'm like, no, it's the third day of Christmas. Yeah. Merry Christmas. Yeah. Uh, and, but it's just, uh, and, and I think that kind of attitude leads to a huge letdown. Sure. A, a huge letdown. Um, so what we're trying to do this year is we, my, my wife is actually making, we've never really been decorators of the house, but we can't go back to Winnipeg this year for Christmas because mm. of the coronavirus. So we're staying here. So my wife is actually making decorations, like from scratch, buying um buying a fabric cheap fabric from whatever and and making her own ornaments and her own everything we have a small three-foot tree and we've decided to set set up decorations starting at saint nicholas day hmm. and then uh saint nicholas day which by the time of this release would have been last week but uh but then once christmas comes there's like more stuff we put up or 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 um are changing it or you know like readjusting it to reflect the change into the celebration part uh of of the of the fast feast
1: relationship. Yeah, I think that's a marvelous tradition. I mean in fact St. Nicholas Day, sixth of December to Theophany, which is the twelfth day of Christmas, right? Um 6th of, of January it gives you exactly one month. I think that's a, that's a marvelous way of framing the thing. So if you can start your, your kind of more, um, decorative <laughs> mode, you know, put up the tree and, and maybe slowly decorate it till it reaches its climax on Christmas Eve. And then you, you maintain that, that festivity through the 12 days, which are kept as non-fasting days, right? Up until the eve of theophany, we don't fast, um, at all in, in the Orthodox Church. So, I mean, it, everything is designed to lead you into that. And psychologically, I think it would be far, far healthier for people to live with that, you know, that kind of postponement and expectation and, and, and sense of, of, of moving into something that is really joyful. The, 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 the sad reality in the West today is with the, with the disappearance of Advent, and this is no exaggeration, the, the, the rates of depression and suicide have skyrocketed. There is a direct correlation. Between the lack of being able to postpone and prepare for and expect and hope for something, and, and just this kind of instant feeling of gratification. We're going to have all the parties now, we're going to do all the things. And then it, people are just left. You know, without any kind of uh, sense of fulfillment, right? And mm-hmm. and and that 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 lack of fulfillment, a lack of connection with other people, kind of sharing that experience, is precisely what leads to addiction and and mental health problems and and, and so forth. So there is no exaggeration to say that not doing liturgy right is really really detrimental to human health. And uh, so let's let's come back to the forefront of, you know, we, so we started this conversation by lamenting Orthodoxy not having enough, ad, uh, you know, of Advent by comparison to the West. But actually, we have exactly what the West needs, you know, to recover here if people are going to, to more fully enter into their their being human, right, and being human in community with others.
0: Yeah, so one of the things that we're doing here at St. Maria's to mark this Advent time is to really Um, focus on the feasts of the prophets. Um, So we have the benefit of doing our 1130 prayers every single day.
1: So you get them all. Yeah,
0: we, we get them all. Unless uh, they fall on a Sunday. (laughs) Unless they fall. Well, no, because then we meet Saturday night. Oh,
1: fair enough. Fair enough. It's it's Um, not true that you don't don't do Sundays then. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Unless they fall on a Saturday, right? then we don't get them. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah, so there's a whole bunch of them, right? Obadiah and Nahum.
0: We just had three in a row, yeah. Zephaniah, and, uh,
1: Haggai, Daniel and the Three Holy used. Yeah. I mean, it's marvelous. You, you, when would yeah. you otherwise commemorate these these guys, right?
0: Mm-hmm. And what we've been doing with our, we usually do the sixth hour with the lectionary readings, but uh, for Advent, we've actually transitioned to doing a, a shortened Akathist. Mm-hmm. Um in anticipation of the birth of Christ, um so you're getting sort of the poetic imagery of the coming of christ and and then we include the readings of like the prophet and then the lectionary readings and and then we read the life of the the saint and the triparian. so you're actually I'm actually like, this is the first year where I'm like, okay, like i'm I'm getting into the the advent flow, right? Like there's mm-hmm. all these prophets and and the uh, talking about um kind of the coming of the day of the lord which is kind of scary but um yeah it's 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 helped a lot with marking the time
1: and i mean that really is the right way in which to enter into the spirit of expectation or of longing and 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 desire for the coming of the lord because these prophets uh you know that is what is embedded in in their writing in their teaching in 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 the liturgical commemoration of them is a really a, an enacting of their own expectation. And one of the things that's, that's often talked about in terms of the contrast between Western Advent and the Eastern period of the fast before Christmas and everything, and is that, well, the West does both uh, an expectation, uh, you know, kind of commemoration of that expectation before Christ's coming in the flesh, uh, but also uh, on the Sundays of, of Advent looks forward to Christ's second coming, the parousia, right? Um, whereas the East is only focused on on the incarnation. And I don't think that's strictly speaking true. Although, you know, yes, the West has the kind of Sunday commemorations. That for, for the West, the beginning of Advent is the beginning of the church year. It's their their equivalent of our September 1st. So the whole year kind of renews at the beginning of December and they have Sunday commemorations and some of the readings and, and lecture, um, you know, hymnography and everything commemorates, uh, looking forward to Christ's, you know, reappearance. But if you think about, for example, the epistle that we read, um, on the second Sunday before Nativity, um, so-called Sunday of the Holy Forefathers from Colossians chapter 3 we hear about uh, when Christ who is your life is revealed then you also will be revealed with him in glory and that's clearly you know a reference to the you know Christ being all in all the new heaven and the new earth Christ you know reappearance you know it's not so much coming again actually because Christ still present with us. And his ascension was not a leaving, but rather a kind of veiling of his uh, kingship until it will be revealed. So when Christ is revealed, we will appear with him in glory. That's clearly the expectation that we live now as the church. We're in between the incarnation and the coming or appearing again, right? The parousia. And so I think like the West, we we can do both. Now, obviously there is a a really strong sense in which we do that in the first three days of, of Holy Week, right? The, the Bridegroom, mm. Matins, and everything. And the West doesn't have that. And so, yeah, maybe our focus immediately liturgically goes to that when we think of Christ appearing again. But even during Advent, we can join ourselves in a very, and it's not just a kind of, well, I'm going to pretend in a dramatic fashion that we lived, you know, in the time of the Old Testament and we we don't yet know about Bethlehem and the manger and, and Christ, uh, you know, being the, the coming Messiah and stuff. It's not that it, we can really join ourselves, you know, with Zephaniah and Zechariah and Habakkuk and, and, and others, knowing that we too are awaiting that fullness of the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord has been initiated in the, you know, life, death and resurrection and ascension of Christ, but not, not fully revealed and and so we too can really join ourselves in and, and enact the same expectation of the old testament prophets and i think that's the sense in which we we have the old testament saints as saints it's not a purely historical remembrance it is th- we know that we are still part of the same covenant community and mm-hmm. what they really were looking forward to has not yet fully been revealed Right. The fullness of God revealed in Jesus Christ, but not, you know, in the fullness of what it will be revealed in the kingdom when it's revealed in its in its fullness on on that last day. So the prophets who talk about the day of the Lord, the coming of the Lord, the advent of the Lord, we are we're with them in that. Right. And, And so it's not a. I guess a, a kind of dramatic or historical reenactment or, or commemoration. It, we genuinely are in the same place, which is why, you know, they're so meaningful throughout the church here. You know, the, the inspired prophet Habakkuk at, at Pascha, right? Um, which a, beautiful know one. a beautiful one. It's one of our favorites that we share. But, uh, but yeah, so the, the saints of the Old Testament, really, really important during this time. And of course, obviously those two Sundays that we do have. A kind of Advent commemoration, the two Sundays before Nativity, those Old Testament saints come into their, you know, fullness of commemoration. We commemorate forefathers and then fathers. Um, although, don't ask me exactly what the difference between those two categories is because it's really muddled liturgically. Um, yeah, yeah. But uh, in any case, all of those, you know, who came before Christ, who were expecting, who were waiting, who 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 did not taste of the fullness before. Us right, um, mm-hmm. as as it's put in Hebrews, and uh, and yeah, I mean, and, and what's marvelous too is that how that corresponds with even uh, Jewish commemoration around that time, because of course they commemorate Hanukkah uh, in and around the time we're doing those two Sundays before uh, Nativity, and uh, that's of course about the Maccabean martyrs and about the you know the the time of uh, the, the the kind of cleansing of the temple, which was a necessary precursor to Christ. Coming. Coming in the flesh, the very temple that he will be, you know, dedicated at and presented at on the fortieth day after Christmas, which will kind of bring an end to the whole cycle of incarnation feasts, right? The meeting of the Lord on the second of February. That temple was the one the Maccabean martyrs, you know, cleansed and uh, you know were able to go in, and the miracle of the lights and everything that is commemorated at Hanukkah. So it all comes together quite nicely, I think, in, in Orthodox uh, commemoration, but you know, around the Old Testament saints that we commemorate.
0: Yeah, the the other thing about Advent in the Orthodox Church is that there are certain, th- there there seem to be, okay, so where Lent has this one decisive moment, like forgiveness vespers, you, you liturgically enter into the great fast, right? Um, it's very clear. Even the lighting, the colors are all switched in the middle of a service. But the... Uh, Advent doesn't have that, right. Uh, it has a lot of these little threshold moments, mm-hmm. right? So you obviously, well, the the actual fast like where we begin our you know, our fasting prayer and, and almsgiving practice, we, we begin on the 15th. Mm-hmm. but it might not be actually um, acknowledged liturgically at that time, um, but then you hit the feast of the entry of the Mother of God into the Temple. Mm -hmm. which is in in the in the verse it's actually calls it's the prelude Mm -hmm. right then you and from that moment on at matins you actually start to sing the nativity canon Mm -hmm. right so you're already getting nativity language there and then you hit the feast of saint andrew and then you hit the feast of saint nicholas and then you hit, hit these feasts of the forefathers with all these prophets and there's it's not that there's one clear, decisive moment that you enter into the fast. It's more like, like a, a small gate to a small gate to a small gate to a small gate, right? Yeah. And you keep entering deeper and deeper as you go on.
1: Yeah, and I think there's something quite lovely about that. Um, and it, you know, it, it can be, you know, in the home. You know, built upon by the kind of thing you were talking about, where maybe around St. Nicholas Day, you put up a tree and then maybe you make decorations together as a family and you put them up. And as you commemorate different saints, you can put some commemoration of those you know onto the christmas tree or keep you know have, have something ar- around the home to to commemorate this because there's some really really big saints that obviously come during that period mm-hmm. you know right after the i mean right before the fast starts and we give that name to the whole fast is saint philip you know the apostle yep. and, then and then the matthew evangelist right matthew that. the day after and then you mentioned andrew and uh, the day we're recording this is both great martyr barbara and saint john of damascus this weekend we've got saint sava the the venerable got St. Nicholas, the Wonder Woman. St. Ambrose. St. Ambrose, Ambrose, let's not leave him out. Very, very important. If it weren't for St. Ambrose, we wouldn't have St. Augustine, right? Um, we've got St. Spiridon and St. Herman, St. Ignatius, all these, these marvelous... Um, you know, saints that are, are commemorated during that period. And, and I, I like, you know, if, if, if the fasting journey together as a community is a kind of wilderness journey, which it always is, this is a wilderness that's filled with oases, right? This is a desert yeah. where, you know, almost like every, over every hill, there's a new place to stop and to rest yeah. and to, and to kind of just rejoice in God's divine providence, whether it's those Old Testament prophets we mentioned or whether it's these marvelous examples of the saints, many mm-hmm. of whom have now come to be so deeply connected with the Christmas period, right? I mean, you think mm-hmm. about St. Nicholas in particular, I mean, there's a whole episode there on what, what happens to him through through mm-hmm. church history, but the the whole idea of selfless living and gift giving and everything is associated with, with saints like St. Saint Nicholas, who are the embodiment of, of that that way of life and so mm-hmm. forth. And so absolutely, the whole period is, I mean, what what's true, I think, about, say, Eastern Advent compared to Western Advent is that in the East – you have to be in church more often to notice it, right? Yeah. So, so yeah. The, like the ordinary Sundays after the 15th of November don't see anything different. You're just following the normal lectionary, which actually will, will differ year to year depending on, you know, when that Lucan jump took place after the Feast of the Cross and everything. So it's not even that the same gospels are being read around that time of year. And yeah. so there'll be different ones until you get to the second Sunday before Christmas, then you've got particular lections you know but in the west they bring out the wreath they they're doing the hymns and and so forth and the the different lections for advent on sunday so it's always that same kind of thing whereas in the east you need to be at church midweek to catch all these saints you need Mm -hmm. to be doing matins in order to hear yeah the katavasia of the nativity canon christ is born glorify him rings out from the 21st of november right mm-hmm. which is the feast of the entrance of the theotokos and and so you know and that's that beautiful beautiful canon that you know comes from the homily of st gregory the theologian um one of the, an interesting homily in church history because it it kind of marks the moment that christmas actually is received as a feast in the east because it had, it had Emerged initially, uh, in, in the West, uh, and had been there probably for at least half a century before, you know, it was brought to Constantinople. And so to kind of mark that occasion, St. Gregory of uh, the theologian gives a homily, uh, and, and from that homily directly, we take the, the, the canon of the nativity and those katavasia that we hear from the 21st of november so there's a lot happening but you need to be there to hear it right so it's not just going to be thrust in your face in the shape of an advent wreath and candles being lit it's 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 subtly embedded in all of these commemorations and so when you go Mm. looking for it which is part of the exercise right of 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 a journey you have to kind of look for things and, and find resources on the way Boy, is it ever rich, right? You'll find so much grace, so much, so much uh, of the story of God being told through all of these commemorations. But it, it rewards those who are diligent and and aware, right? Which are some of the characteristics of the the spiritual life that we're supposed to be taking on anyway, right? Being open to the experience of God in the world and in others.
0: There is a Ukrainian Christmas carol which picks up on this theme of, of looking at all these feasts that are, that are through the season. And it's the Christmas carol that you would sing when you first enter the home where you're going to do your Christmas caroling, right? So uh, in translation, it would be something like, uh, good evening to you, Lord, right? As in the Lord of the house, right? Mm-hmm. Good evening to you, master of the home. Uh, rejoice, uh, rejoice, O earth, for, um, for Christ is, is born. And that's that's the refrain. But then every verse, it says, you know, the first thing comes. It's the you know the feast of Andrew. The second thing comes. It's the feast of Nicholas. The third thing comes. It's the feast of the birth. The mm. fourth things, uh, fourth things, the fourth thing comes. It's the the feast of the baptism, right? And and the, and these are the verses, right? Mm. And it's just like it, it it paints the whole season as this um, glorious. It's the darkest season of the year, but it, this song is like this is the most glorious season of the year because of all these feasts that take us on this journey,
1: and that's not accidental, right? I mean, and and this is the the profoundly human thing about this time of year, right? And uh, in, which is why I, I I bristle a little bit when you know people talk about how you know well why are you even putting up lights if you don't believe in Christ you know or why are you even you know getting together with your family if if christmas doesn't have any religious significance for you or whatever I mean, there's something profoundly human about the how it's getting cold it's getting dark we're drawing in uh you know we 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 need the protection and something of the joy of light to be kind of celebrated here. So I, I rejoice even, you know, when I look in my neighborhood and and, and all the lights go up at this time, time of year. And yeah, some of the the tacky uh, decorations and everything, you know, maybe they give a little bit of pause. <laughs> but but otherwise, I mean, this is something that happens across the world in terms of, you know, finding ways to kind of counteract the, that otherwise, a very dark and cold experience of midwinter right and you know one of my favorite um, you know western carols is in the bleak midwinter you know all of this takes place this this coming of christ in the flesh this birth of light this birth of joy happens in the bleak midwinter and so of course it's not accidental that we we you know litter this time of of the year with these great saints and all these marvelous commemorations. But it's marvelous, I think, that we have to go and look for them. The same way you kind of open up every door of an advent calendar which is a kind of i mean i think anybody who's had that experience as a child just knows that you know what's next what's next what are we going to find now and and you open Mm -hmm. that up and you see something whether it's the chocolate or some image or or verse or something and there's a real sense of uh you know i found this right And, and and we've in the bleak midwinter, in the darkness, in the cold, we found joy and the grace of, of the church living through the ages. And so all these marvelous saints, uh, you know, all have their role to play, play in that. The same way that we, we you know, the, the, the Christmas lights are strewn, you know, throughout the, the world, these saints and their lives and their icons are, 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 are brought in into the church to kind of, you know, bring that joy out of the darkness into our, into our sight.
0: Well, I think that's going to be it for this episode. So, yeah, thank you to all our patrons. It really means a lot that you've uh, supported us. It helps us continue with the regular podcast. You're you're, you're supporting the regular podcast, too, and, and, and we want to do these episodes just for you as a special thank you. So thank you very much. It's very meaningful. And uh, have a good rest of your Advent. And we'll see you again uh, probably next week. Thank you. Well, that does it for another episode of the private podcast of Enacting the Kingdom. Thank you again for all your support. Please feel free to comment with any follow-up thoughts or questions. Father Jeffrey and I read them all. Looking forward to having you back soon.